0: This is Ingredient Insiders. I'm John Magazino,
1: And I'm Andrea Parkins.
0: On each episode of Ingredient Insiders, we will be talking with chefs, authors, and food people about their favorite ingredients.
1: We'll then be speaking to the producers of those ingredients to talk about how they're made, the history, and why chefs love using them in their kitchens.
0: Ooh, this is going to be a fun episode, Andrea. Mm. We have the opportunity to talk to... Patrick and Casey from Grist Provisions in Ohio. Do you know them?
1: I do know them. They're a great customer of ours. They have an awesome story. They're small business owners. We sell to a ton of restaurants, and I think small businesses make up a a nice portion of that. What's really neat is that Casey and Patrick, they were working at big name restaurants in California. They decided they wanted to move back home to family. They moved back to Dayton and they were shocked when they found out that Chef's Warehouse was there.
0: So the Chef's Warehouse, Cincinnati, Mm -hmm. delivers to them each day of the week. The ingredient we're gonna talk about, which is Grana Padano cheese, a very specific grating cheese from Italy. Very similar to Parmigiano Reggiano, which a lot of people have heard of. Grana Padano, they're one of the biggest users of this product from the chef's warehouse in the country
1: we were looking up to see who we could talk to and i saw the stats and i was like wow these you know they're using so much of it it's a big factor to
0: find
2: something that we can carry that doesn't break the bank but still carries of of quality and flavors.
1: John, tell us a little bit about the differences between, I mean, I know that Parmigiano Reggiano is a DOP product and Grana, it's from that region.
0: So I cannot claim to be an expert on Grana Padano. I do love the cheese. Grana Padano is very similar to Parmigiano Reggiano. It is a hard, typically, you know, cheese used for grating, although it, it can be eaten you know, in chunks, yeah. just like Parmigiano can. It comes from a region outside of Emilia Romagna. And a- Emilia Romagna is that central province of Italy where Parmigiano Reggiano, to be called Parmigiano Reggiano, must come from. Grana Padano, to my knowledge, comes a little further north in Italy, maybe in the region of Lombardia. Very similar processes for how it's made. It's cow's milk cheese, it's aged for, tw- uh, you know, 12 months or longer. Mm hmm.
1: It gets those nice
0: crystallization, yeah. But one of the things that's very appealing about it is it's got very much a similar quality, but it's got a much better price tag. So a lot of restaurants love to use. Grana Padano. We'll find out all those details. And we'll also be talking with Andrea Berti from Grana Padano Cheeses in Italy. He'll be joining us in the studio. Uh,
3: Grana Padano is usually sold a little younger than Parmigiano Reggiano. So the big difference is Grana Padano is a little lighter bite than Parmigiano Reggiano. So a little more versatility in that sense when you combine it with dishes or ingredients.
1: Yeah. I mean, they call Parmesan the the king of cheese. I mean, maybe is Grana the the queen of cheese? I don't know.
3: I like that. I I like the queen of cheese.
0: Yeah. This episode is in partnership with The Chef's Warehouse and Hey Now Media. Ohio in the house, Andrea. Patrick and Casey.
1: Van Vorst, Dayton, Ohio, from Grist Provisions. Welcome to Ingredient Insiders.
0: So nice to have you guys on. Oh, thanks for having us. We're going to talk about grana cheese in a moment. But tell us about Grist Provisions. Grist is, from what I understand, a very high end specialty market. Producing the most beautiful pastas from scratch, breads from scratch.
1: You have such a cool story. Start from the beginning. My wife and I we met in culinary
2: school in Hyde Park in New York. So you know, after culinary school, we decided to move to California. Uh, kind of wanted to pick a, a great food city and just kind of immerse ourselves in it, I guess. So we literally packed a car with everything we owned and and drove across country with no jobs lined up or anything. We just kind of went for it, and uh, we were fortunate enough to you know stage at some great places and get into some great restaurants and. Um,
4: worked our way up to, I was junior sous chef, Patrick was executive sous, and we took all that knowledge and experience, and we were asked to be our first executive chef position. We were co-executive chefs up in a restaurant called Spoon Bar in Hillsburg, California. Mm -hmm. It was in Sonoma County, so.
0: That was a really unique
2: opportunity, too, because they they offered us the chance to run, essentially, it was two restaurants, but to do it kind of together which you know kind of unheard of i guess you know unless you own the place yeah so, um, so you guys yeah. had a
0: good west coast run mm-hmm. following school yeah we did yeah it was, what,
2: eight years or so yeah yes. yeah we came back this way and decided to start grist that's mm-hmm. very
0: cool you guys got some great experience with some of the best chefs in the country like michael tusk <laughs> yeah. and yeah, we're yeah we were fortunate yeah, very to fortunate
2: uh, and we worked we worked our butts off for it that's for sure
0: what year did grist provisions open it was
4: 2018 we opened it and it was an super small startup space, it's probably 300 square feet. We just had a, two pasta tables, two deli cases that we just did a lot of pasta. And sausage. The
2: idea of Chris kind of came, you know, we were making pasta. I, Me personally making pasta since I was about 14 years old. And uh, every restaurant we worked in, the fresh pasta program was, was always close to our hearts. And um, when we were running the restaurants in, in California, you know, I was during kind of service one night. Literally rolling pasta during service and turned to her and it was just like, you know, it'd be really cool is if we could just open a place where we just produced pasta and, you know, we sold it wholesale to restaurants and kind of just a Fleeting thing, but it's stuck. Like I said, we produce wholesale right now for probably nine local restaurants. Mm-hmm. We have one of the biggest markets in the area here is Dayton uh, or Dorothy Lane Market. Um, so we sell. It's a little grocery store. It's a, it's high, a yeah, costume. like high end grocery store. They they buy product from us and put it on their shelves. And it's kind of nice. Actually.
0: <laughs> Can the public come and buy from you guys? Oh yeah,
2: in our shop we have a section where you know again we produce pasta fresh daily. You can come in, you can buy some pasta. We make sauces. We make fresh bread every day.
4: Sandwiches, desserts. The
2: sandwiches and salads and stuff is kind of our lunch. It keeps our kind of culinary stuff, uh, you know, uh, very intriguing. Elevated sandwiches.
1: I was trolling your Instagram and that impressed me the most. Your flavors and the seasonality of everything that you made. The pasta Mm -hmm. is absolutely stunning. I mean, it's beautiful. (laughs) It's like art. So I really want to dive into the food conversation now. Let's talk ingredients. You know, obviously we're here to talk about grana because you guys use a ton of grana padana cheese. Yeah, so much. So why do you choose grana? I mean, I think parm is probably the the go-to. Parmesan, you know,
2: can be controversial anyway. The king of cheeses, right? It's, it's, very, it is the
1: king of cheese yeah but the grana i
2: think is just a a fantastic product because it it carries some more subtleness to it i think um, you know parmesan uh, with the extensive age and things that you get you know the, the toasted nuttiness it has its place and it is fantastic but grana to me has somewhat more of a softness it's and definitely more versatile definitely more versatile for our purposes you know we can kind of steer things you know in terms of uh, flavor profiles a little bit easier I'm still getting some salinity from the cheese, um, but not an, an overpowering amount, especially, you know, cost is huge. Our cost for something like that, if we were to use straight Parmesan would probably triple. (laughs) <laughs> um, so that, that's a big factor it's a big factor to find something that we can carry that you know, doesn't break the bank but still carries a ton of, of quality and flavors and probably as a small
1: business owner you're you are considering costs in a way that maybe a fine dining restaurant isn't yes 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 fine
2: dining restaurants where we come from you know places really don't have a budget they can spend with whatever they want on, on ingredients for the most part you
4: know their profit margins a little bit different just a different model we come from the the mindset of we're trying to do as much ourselves as we can and to try to pay our employees more. So it's definitely a balance of cost of goods to labor. And,
2: um, Going back to the quality of it, that's a big part of it is Is it, it is, I think, a pretty exceptional product that doesn't break the bank. And that's important because, you know, there's, there's certain ways that you can try that. I don't want to say cut costs, but maybe save a little bit. But it's very important that you know quality doesn't suffer.
1: I saw on Instagram, you had the sweet corn with the spinach pasta. You had the agnolotti with the lemon and the herbs, the three different cheeses, which I'm sure grana's in there, the braised beef. You know, I've done my research. I want to know the secrets behind the pasta and where the grana fits in there.
2: Had a couple notes with with definitely our fillings, particularly in in certain pastas. One of the most traditional Italian fillings is like a quattro formaggi cheese or cheese filling, and Mm -hmm. usually that carries four cheeses, one of them being Parmesan. We've taken a slightly softer route to that, and we do a three-cheese pairing with grana. For us, it just allowed some of the other cheeses to kind of stay to the forefront a little bit, but again, still lending some of that nuttiness you get, that salinity, and we use, you know, fresh mascarpone and, and ricotta, and you know, we fold a little lemon in there and make this delicious three-cheese filling that we do in our aniloti that we've been doing since we opened.
4: We'll put it on top of our focaccia bread on a microplane, so it's really light and fluffy. It folds really well into pretty much all of our things.
2: Every single loaf of focaccia bread uh, has some grana padano cheese on it. Probably 80% of our fillings, unless they're somewhat meat or seafood, you know, have grana in them, and we try to really utilize the whole product. The broth that we make from the rinds of the ground like a stock or you know really intensified uh, almost parmesan broth prana broth you try not to waste any of it We again because we we probably go through about three quarter two quarter wheels a week
1: um, wow a half a, a wheel a week? week yes
2: yeah i mean yeah between uh, again like i said pasta fillings different sandwiches different applications we make crisps with them we, I mean, we really utilize the product mm. pretty well
4: that's what i like about it too is you know it's got that lower hydration that you're commonly finding in parmesan but it gets that really awesome crisp on it so when we're finishing that we've got a you know 22 minute bake on our focaccia loaves and it gets like the perfect parm crisp right on top there so you get the nice crunch even more dousing it in a crazy amount of olive oil it keeps its own integrity
1: there nice it's a workhorse cheese for you it's something it seems like a standard my
2: first introduction to rana padana myself and my pastry chef at the time were trying to develop a cheese course it was something that was part of the the dining experience there um, everyone received the cheese course we, we tried to create essentially a textures of parmesan dish parmesan uh, you know parmesan reggiano was just too aggressive we just didn't like it like it, it you know would take over the whole dish you wouldn't be able to get different flavor profiles and that was the first time we brought Grana Padana, man, that was I mean, 14 years ago. You know, we created, you know, Grana Spuma, and, you know, we made a little frico out of it. You know, we had done this iteration probably three different times with Parmesan, and again, it was just too aggressive. And I remember when we switched to Grana, it was like the lights opened, you know, it was like...
1: Probably most people, when they go to the grocery store, they're buying Parmesan. So what would you say to uh, a listener or a customer about going to the grocery store and buying Grana instead? What should they look for?
2: I, I think it really does depend on, you know, kind of what you're making, but... If you're looking for certain things to add, again, that, that salinity, that, that slight... When nose, you say but, salinity,
1: um, when you say salinity, what do you mean?
2: Well, you know, case you kind of touched on it, that grana texture that you get, right? So Parmesan... The salt. Yeah, the, the, salt, the salt. salt aspect, but the, it's more like the crystals that you get, right? That so, crunchiness
1: get, from the aging, right?
2: Yes, yes, You only get that from that style of, you know, from that grana style, whether it's the grana Badano or the Parmesan, Parmesan Reggiano. But in Parmesan Reggiano, I, I think because of the, the difference in age, it just, it gets so much more... Developed, and
4: I think the grana is just a little bit less briny than yes. a traditional Parmesan might be. Parmesan definitely has its place if you're looking for something to finish or just grate lightly on there. But if you're looking for something versatile, to keep in your fridge. You know, our, our cheese monger lady she's talking about what are staples you can keep in your refrigerator that you know have a good shelf life on it, that are easy to store, um, that go with a lot more dishes. We highly you know recommend the grana. It's it's definitely more versatile, and it's uh, I will say it's a little bit, especially in Ohio, maybe not other places, but a little tricky to find. You guys
1: should be wrapping it up and selling it in, am- in your in your store.
2: Hi, I'm Patrick. I'm Casey. With Risk Provisions in Dayton, Ohio. And you're listening to Ingredient Insiders with Chess Warehouse.
0: I want to shift gears back a bit because we have a lot of culinary students who listen to the show and a lot of people that are you know hearing your story and what i'm curious to know is you guys worked for some of the best chefs on the west coast why did you make a shift away from the restaurant into what's a retail business
2: well i'll be honest with you um the original idea and concept was actually to be all-encompassing it was something where you know we didn't necessarily want to take a step away from restaurants. We did want to take a step away from you know, the extreme fine dining aspect, work-life balance. But we developed this concept with the idea to have a restaurant attached. So it was, it was originally going to be a semi-fine dining, and I say semi very loosely, but elevated casual. It wasn't going to be nearly to the extreme of two or three Michelin stars. To have a semi-fine dining establishment and, and to have this kind of little shop attached to the sandwich side of things. We we wanted to have a pasta shop, somewhat Italian-inspired, that would sell pasta products, all fresh made. But we wanted to be able to circulate that into what you would come and sit down and eat in the restaurant as well. And so you'd kind of be able to see it come full
0: circle. What is grist? Where does that come from? G-R-I-S-T.
4: Grist is, translates, it's the grain that's used to make flour. So really any kind of grain, but we thought that was clever because there's also a metaphor, it's grist for the mill. So that's to me, like something that's used for a greater purpose, something that makes something easy for someone else. And it a good one-order. Yeah, and you, <laughs> yeah. Can,
2: and you can say it kind of philosophically. Somebody you know, who's old old school would say, like, you're the grist of the mill. means, like, you're the heart of the family.
0: How have the people of Dayton received the business? It's been phenomenal.
2: We, we are very proud to be here and to be part of this, uh, you know, to watch Dayton grow.
4: You know, they not only support us by buying wholesale stuff at the, the local grocery store that's called Tokyo Market, but they come in, our lunch service has just been really taken off. And yeah. I'm very grateful for that because as you know, a small business owner and trying to fill up all those gaps, you know, between maintenance, prep, doing the retail packaging, wholesale and then regular lunch service prep, there's a lot to do. and not having a big marketing budget and just having people post stuff repost on instagram a little local food blog kind of does some stuff for us so just word of mouth has been awesome well we appreciate
1: you bringing us with you to ohio we love hearing stories like that where you know our presence helps you know a small business really thrive in what they want to do and what they want to accomplish thank you for being amazing customers of chef's warehouse next time john and i are in dayton we're definitely going to be visiting grist provisions
0: we'll be at the cincinnati uh, food expo andrea
1: yeah we hope that you guys are is that? september 28th
4: we're going yeah
1: all right we'll see you, there. see you
4: there
0: this episode is sponsored by grana padano cheese makers of italy's most amazing grating cheeses welcome andrea berti from Atalanta. He's the Senior Director of Business Development, Andrea.
1: Yeah, Atalanta is an importer of amazing Italian products. And today we're gonna be talking about a huge item for the Chef's Warehouse, Grana Padano cheese.
3: Thank you so much for having me. So tell us what is Grana Padano cheese? So Grana, first of all, is an amazing cheese out of Italy. I like to start with the name, explaining the name. So Grana, it's two words. Grana means Grana style cheese which in English you would translate as parmesan. We don't have that word in Italy, parmesan. So we use grana style cheeses to define that texture.
0: It's a small grain sized curds. It's not a grainy cheese, because I think when you say grainy, it makes you think like pebbly in the mouth. It's a creamy, hard cheese.
3: Right. It's and the dry. grain size is really, I don't want to get too technical, but we're all cheese people. The key for the texture of cheese is how you cut the curd. And in this case, the curd is cut down to grain size, really small. Why? Because you want water way to be released quickly. And that's what makes difference between a hard cheese or a soft cheese. If I make stracciatella the softest, tanya cheese I can think of now, the size of the curds are large. In the case of hard cheeses, it's the opposite, very small you want water to get released, you want longer aging on the cheese.
1: Now, I don't know about you, John, but I associate Grana Padano with Parmesan, with Mm Parmigiano-Reggiano. I think they're very similar in flavor profile and the way that you use the cheese. But can you tell us some of the, the differences between the two?
3: So let's start with Grana Padano. So Grana Padano is the number one cheese sold in Italy. Five million wheels are produced and sold every year in Italy and across the world. And not only that, it's the number one PDO product consumption in the world. PDO products only in Europe, that's the number one. Parmigiano-Reggiano is a similar style cheese. It's a grana-type cheese, too. The grains that I mentioned before is the same, so the, the curds are cut the same way. The area of production is the biggest difference. Grana Padano is made in the Pinora Padana. Parmigiano-Reggiano is made in five provinces in the Emilia-Romagna region.
0: Where is the Padano region?
3: Comprises several regions, but it's northern Italy, just before the Alps. And it's the valley, we also call it the Pau Valley, It was created by the Pau River, which is the largest river in Italy. The Po River generates in Piedmont, in the Italian Alps, northwest of Italy, and really for millions and millions of years, brought minerals from the Alps down to the valley and created these amazing valleys, really is today where most of the most amazing cheeses we talk about and meats are produced. So that's where, from a geological standpoint, everything starts. So it's a
0: very, the the Po River Valley is very lush. It really is kind of the backbone of Italy. And it goes through that farm area from northern Italy into Emilia Romagna, where all of these great prosciuttoes and cured meats come from, as well as all these fantastic cheeses. And a lot of it has to do with the river itself, the Po River.
3: Absolutely. Big, big part of it is the Po River. That's what makes the soil the way it is. Differences between the two cheeses, both of them are Parmesan style. One is made north in the Po Valley, one is made south. The other big difference is that, if you want to get a little technical, the Parmigiano Reggiano is made with two milkings, an evening milking and a morning milk. The evening milk is let to rest and then is skimmed in the morning. And then the fresh milk from the morning without being skimmed is added. Grana Padano is made with evening milk, collecting in the evening, let to rest overnight and then is skimmed. So it starts with the lighter, so less fat. So
0: both are 100% cow's milk cheese. What is the difference between morning milk and night
3: milk? It's really the the two milkings for the cow. Just so
0: it's it's just, just what what's just, freshest historically right. when they would milk, you know, the the cow in the morning, they'd get that milk, they'd start making the Parmigiano cheese, the Reggiano, and then later in the day, they would milk the cow again and then they'd add more milk to that same right. thing of cheese again going back yeah. historically and that's how parm was made that's but right. in grana padano they only do
3: one one milking one milking collecting and let to rest overnight so the big difference is that the grana padano's all the milk is skimmed
0: it's not
1: as high in fat as a parmigiano reggiano interesting, is interesting. i, I never, know
3: that i never knew that parmigiano reggiano
0: it has to have a very big difference in the composition of the cheese
3: it has a big difference also it has a difference in how. Now the cheese is aged, uh, Grana Padana is usually sold a little younger than Parmigiano Rajan.
1: At Chef's Warehouse, our Parmesan is always 24 months. That's, you know, kind of our gold standard. And then you can, you know, obviously purchase it 36 months and it, you know, goes on and on. I've never seen Grana a month to it. Is there like a specific aging or?
3: So the minimum aging is completion of the ninth month. So let's say 10 months. That's the minimum aging. Usually 60 months is the average aging the cheese is sold out, but it's also sold at over 20 months. Parmigiano really goes, you know, 24 months, even 30. You go five, six months, usually younger, Grana is,
1: is that old. because of the fat, do you think?
3: Absolutely. The fat, to start with, mm-hmm. and it, so it matures a little faster than, than a Parmigiano. And
0: the which. aging process is very similar, these giant aging
3: rooms. Wooden boards, Wooden boards, aging rooms, very similar. Temperatures between 57, 58, completely regulated. In the, it has to be aged where it's made. So in the same area where the ingredients comes from. So the feeding of the animals, the animals and the farmers. So who gives the milk and uh, and the cheese making process. So everything is, has to be contained in that area.
0: Got it. So there's a, there's a difference in the production. Now let's talk about the fun stuff. Let's talk about eating the cheese. Mm-hmm. What's the big difference between eating and grating Grana Padano versus eating and grating Parmigiano-Reggiano?
3: So the big difference is Grana Padano is a little lighter bite than Parmigiano-Reggiano. So a little more versatility in that sense when you combine it with dishes for ingredients. Grana Padano is a great item in the kitchen. So in the kitchen, really it's versatility, number one. First thing that comes to mind, grating. It's a hard cheese, it's perfect for grating finish any dish, pasta, vegetables. Second, you can really have fun with it. So you can do crisps, Parmesan crisps. You can grate it, put it in the oven, 10, 15 minutes, you have a crisp. So literally like a chip made of 100% grana padano, 100% cheese. Yum. You can consolidate in cream. So add it to any cream-based, Ingredient and really okay. gives the umami flavor to any cream. The the key in the kitchen is where do I want to bring umami? When do I want to bring savory? When do I want to get a kick? You know, out of the cheese like this. I think it's interesting to share how the first Grana Padano was made and why. The first recipe was created by monks, Benedictine monks, in an abbey that is still there today, right outside of Milan. It's called the Chiara Valle Abbey. Imagine year eleven hundred, winter. There's excess milk production. Milk needs to be used right away. Butter or it gets, goes bad. Mm. So the monks came up with this grana style recipe. They started to cut the curds into grain sizes. Not only that, they needed to create big wheels. The wheels of grana padano are 80 pounds because it's more suitable for longer aging. Smaller wheel gets too dry too quick. It's not usable anymore. So... They created these larger wheels formats. They started to cut the curd in grain size, and they created the first recipe that it's still followed today for Granapadana.
0: That's fascinating. These Benedictine monks, our lives wouldn't be half as fun as they are today without these monks, because in addition, I'm getting a little off subject here, but in addition to this cheese, the wine, the greatest wines in the world yeah. of Burgundy, France, Benedictine monks, another great invention of these monks, but these were Cistercian monks. And I don't, don't ask me what the difference is between a Benedictine and a Cistercian monk. Chartreuse liquor mm. from France and Spain also started by these monks. I guess if you get a lot of time for like quiet contemplation and prayer and hanging out at the abbey with your fellow monks, you can come up with these, like, cool things to make. So let's go back to this. So the first time that this cheese was made was in the
3: 1100s or or even earlier? 1100. Wow. Those are the first Uh, records. And we know exactly where. Wow. It's incredible. And you can visit, if you ever go to Milan, you can visit the place where the first Grana Padano was made. Oh, I love 15 this. 15 minutes out of out of Milan.
1: I'm adding this to my um, Italy itinerary. And
0: is it still a monastery? Where- it's still a
3: monastery, oh, so you'll my. see monks there. And recently, the Grana Padano Foundation signed a deal to have a place there, permanent place going forward. That's awesome. That's cool.
1: So what kind of dishes, pastas, risottos, table cheese, what else you know, are people making with Grana?
3: I'm going to give you feeling for pasta. And I grew up in an area in Italy, Northern Italy, where tortellini and it's definitely a, a great item to, to use for filling. I've seen a lot of applications lately with sweet, so mm. with desserts and, and, and fruits and at the end of the meal. In Italy, usually you have a cheese plates in the beginning. Now those rules really don't exist anymore. There's so many Italian chefs that really broke those boundaries and it was what created in the past 10, 15 years Italian cuisine. And I go back to, you know, even, you know, to mention the most important chefs, you know, Massimo Bottura and others. But really today you you can see application in in sweet and savory at the same, you know, with, with the cheese.
0: You know, one of the things you mentioned earlier was that Grana Padano is the number one selling cheese did you say in the world? In the world. In the world.
3: PDO cheese.
0: For, a, you know, a specific origin cheese. I feel that in the United States, and I know Atalanta and, you know, your company does sell an enormous amount of Grana Padano, as well as all these other amazing cheeses from France and other parts of the world. I don't feel like Grana Padano has gotten its due in the United States, meaning I feel that it kind of falls in the shadow of Parmigiano Reggiano, I agree with is you, John. Is that is that just something that is a result of the Parmigiano Reggiano consortium's marketing and spending more money to build the brand and to name it? Listen, we're not choosing sides here. I love Parmigiano Reggiano. Oh yeah, and I love Grana Padano. Opportunity cheese eater, cheese eater. Yeah,
1: <laughs> likewise.
0: Yeah, but I think there's this perception maybe by the public just because it's not as well known here. I don't think the numbers in the U.S. Are people buying as much grana padano in the U.S.?
3: You bring up a great point. In the U.S., five to one. Wow. Yeah. So five parmigiano, one, one grana. It's a much smaller...
0: I mean, do you see
1: it
3: in the stores, John? I do. I mean, in the specialty stores,
0: yes.
1: But I don't think Um, in like mainstream grocery stores, you rarely see grana.
0: Yeah, I think because a lot of the retail stores probably, again, don't feel that there's enough consumer knowledge about this. I think there should be. When did Grana Padano first start coming into the United States?
3: I cannot give you an exact date, but it's been imported in the United States since the seventies, mm-hmm. I would say. So even 80s.
0: before Parmigiano-Reggiano or, or, or,
3: or? pretty much at the same time. Pretty much
0: at the same time. Same
3: time. But the name name is a key part, right? So the Parmigiano-Reggiano name is just better known. The numbers I gave you were more retail numbers, five to one. When you go in the kitchen, that's why I mentioned in the beginning, it's a cheese that belongs in the kitchen because really, it's really about the quality of the product and what you get out of your money. And that's where Grana Padano thrives. Yeah. Grana Padano, 5 million wheels produced every every year and sold Parmigiano Reggiano around four. Million. So there's even wheels.
0: more wheels of Grana produced every year. What's the pricing like for the consumer?
3: Between $2 to two fifty a pound difference. Less. Le- Grana Padano is less expensive by $2 a pound than Parmigiano Reggiano.
0: So it's a greater wow. value. It's mm-hmm. a wonderful and comparable type cheese that people should be seeking out more. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So it's Parmigiano Reggiano is always going to be more expensive than grana, and when we are selling it to customers, I'm always, you know, really upselling grana for value purposes. You're still getting that same um, intense flavor profile that you're getting from, you know, a Parmesan-style cheese, but you're saving money. You know, not everybody can afford to shave 24-month-aged Parm on all of their pasta dishes. I think that grana is has such a great value. It's time for it to have its day.
3: Very well put, (laughs) Andrew. I'm Andrea Berti, Senior Business Development of Atalanta Corporation, representing Grana Padano here at Ingredient Insiders.
0: I love this cheese. I want to talk a little bit more about your company, Atalanta Foods. Atalanta is a great partner of the Chef's Warehouse. theres Minimum plus. of 30 year relationship between Chef's Warehouse, the Gellert family. It's still a family owned business. Absolutely. Third generation. Um, like the Chef's Warehouse, you have the Pappas family. And over at Atalanta, you have the Gellert family. Do so you really are some of the biggest cheese importers and anyone listening to this program in North America who has bought cheese at either a gourmet market or a supermarket? or a restaurant there's a good chance that that cheese came from atalanta what are some of the the big items of atalanta
3: out of italy grana padano is, is a big item parmigiano reggiano is a big item we carry 200 different cheeses we really expanded on the specialty items so we really embrace the originality of italy but also i want to go beyond we buy from about 30 different countries so we do the same out of spain We do the same out of grease and not only cheese, but grocery. And and really, we consider ourselves innovators. We want to bring the next big ingredients to the food world. For example, on Grana Padano, you know, I I think the market now is demanding a more aged product. You really want to have a bigger experience eating maybe a, a bite and have a bigger flavor profile. So we're moving towards more aged product versus a younger product. So even within the same product, we see differences.
0: What's in the future for Atalanta Foods? Are there any new initiatives that that you're working on as a company?
3: Absolutely. So first of all, the name Atalanta. Atalanta is a great goddess. It was a hunter and was known for the swiftness, the speed. That was the inspiration for our founders looking around the world and find the best products to bring to the U.S. consumers, to the tables and U.S. restaurants, U.S. consumers. So that's what we've been doing and we're doing. We launched a new brand called Table One that really is in line with what we wanna do as a company So be part of every food experience. So Table One goes across the globe. It's not necessarily linked to one country. We find the best ingredients, the best products from each country, and we import them. And we have them ready for chefs, for retailers, and good to go and, and the idea is to elevate your experience. I mean, we use our connections that we developed in the past 76 years, and the partnerships we developed, our suppliers, we use their innovation, we use our innovation, and we create the selection that we offer today. That's really
0: cool. We just love working with Atalanta. They are one of our great partners. Their cheeses, and not just their cheeses, many of the other products that they provide to the chef's warehouse are just some of the things that our sales reps really have come to love presenting to chefs and restaurants around the country. Yeah, it makes us who we are. Yeah. So, Andrea... Thank you so much for joining us. This has been so informative. I I can't wait to go out and buy some Grana Padano cheese now and maybe make a risotto tonight, Andrea.
3: Absolutely. Thank you so much for not only inviting us today, all you do, you're an amazing customer. Thank you very much for talking about food, for keeping the passion going, because that's what drives us.
0: Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Ingredient Insiders. Follow us on Instagram at Ingredient Insiders. You can find the products discussed in today's episode on ChefsWarehouse.com.